This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are here today. Today, you are listening to episode... 386. And my guest is Stephen Hass. Stephen is an agent for Total Sports. He's actually the director of operations. He's also the head coach and founder of Dark Sky Distance, sponsored by Under Armour. Before diving into being an agent and a coach himself, he was a professional athlete and represented by Total Sports. He ran for Indiana University, where he was a three-time All-American. He also ran in the 10,000 meters at the 2008 Olympic trials and ran in the 2012 Olympic trials in the marathon. He is an agent to many pro runners, including Molly Seidel, who is an Olympic bronze medalist in the marathon. In this episode, we learn about the agent and the coaching side of things and we get a little update on what's going on with the dark sky distance team all right and this episode of the podcast is supported by Prevenex. this is where i get all of my multivitamins and supplements they are clinically effective to promote health longevity performance and they have a product called joint health plus if you are looking for some protection of your joints that is comprehensive and complete that will give you relief, check out the Joint Health Plus. It provides comfort and flexibility. I take it every day. I actually also take their probiotics, their multivitamins, and my family uses their protein powder. Their protein powder is plant-based, it is vegan, and they have chocolate and vanilla flavors. You can just shake it up with water and drink it after a workout, which is what I often do. Take that and a banana, boom, protein, carbs, or you can make it into a delicious smoothie, which is what I do with my kids. And uh, for friends listening, you can go to Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER, and you will get 15% off your first order. Go check out Prevenex. They are doing great things for health around the world. All right, friends, if you enjoy this podcast, leave us a rating and review. We are giving away a pair of Gooder sunglasses every month. And all you have to do is leave a rating and review. There aren't a ton coming in, so your chances are high. So just go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, or Spotify. You can only leave ratings there. I will draw from the ratings and reviews on iTunes, plus anybody who emails me and lets me know that they did it. Lindsay at SandyBoyProductions.com. All right, friends. I really, really hope you enjoy getting to know Steven and learning all about the agent and coaching side of things here. Enjoy my conversation with Steven. Okay, today on the podcast, we have Steven Hass on the show. Welcome to the show, Steven. Appreciate you having me. Okay, look, where are you sitting right now? There are so many boxes behind you. This is the storage unit. Now, this is my office. Um, I'm in Flagstaff, Arizona. Just got back from US Champs last night, and um, I am in the process of buying a house right now. So, um, yeah, my girlfriend is basically telling me I have to save every box. So it's just <laughs> piling up. So, yeah. I was like, are you sleeping in your office then? What's going on with the boxes? Okay, cool. Are you like closing soon? Uh, March 9th. Yeah. So very soon. That yeah. is exciting. Okay. That means you're here to stay in Flagstaff. 
I'm, yeah, I'm here to stay in Flagstaff. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to move. It's uh, something I've been looking, uh, wanted a more property, more land, and get out of town a little bit. So this is a good setup. I'm I'm looking forward to to getting out there. And yeah, it's uh, been a long process. Been two years in, in looking for a house. So yeah, I'm excited. Man, it is like buying a house is stressful. I don't care how, how you do it. It is a stressful situation. Yeah, it has been very stressful. <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to being done with that. Yeah. How long have you been in Flagstaff? Um, seven years now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. And from before you were in Flagstaff, where did you come from? Uh, Bloomington, Indiana. Okay. So you were in, in Bloomington that long? Yeah, 15 years. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize that. Okay. I so- think I'm the, the longest stayed Hoosier in Bloomington. Yeah, I, I, I stayed for a long time. I uh, obviously ran there for five years and stayed an additional 10 when I was running myself. And then um, obviously when I started uh, working for uh, Total Sports, I stayed there and, and coached a, a post-collegiate group there called Team Indiana Elite. And so, yeah, I was I had roots in Bloomington pretty deep. Okay, we have to get into Bloomington a little bit because I'm from Bloomington. But you're oh, from, I didn't know that. yeah, you're originally from North Carolina though. And now I live in North Carolina. So where are oh, you wow. from? Okay, originally I'm from Huntersville, North Carolina. What's the closest big city? I don't. I'm not uh, Charlotte. I mean, it's oh yeah, Charlotte. Okay. Charlotte. Yeah, suburbs of Charlotte, basically. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm in Raleigh. So. Okay. Yeah, and so, um, but I grew up in Bloomington. Went to IU. Then I lived in Indianapolis like my entire adult life until this past summer. So. Oh, I had no idea. Awesome. Yeah, fellow Hoosier. Yeah. Listen, we have some connections here. Um, Sean nice. Th- Sean Three Wits. Do you know him? Oh yeah, yeah. He was on the team with me. He was a, a, a he was a lot younger than I was. Um, I think I was actually off the team by the time he was on the team. I I was a, a assistant coach for one year. Okay. And then we had a coaching change, and yeah, so I helped Robert Chapman for one year um, as an assistant recruiting coordinator, and then uh, yeah, when when uh, Randy Heisler left and Ron Helmer came in, they you know Ron got rid of the whole staff and. Um, yeah, so I, I was done with my coaching and focused all on running at that point, but yeah, I remember Sean. Yeah. I remember Sean. Um, I can't remember exactly who his class was. I think uh, it was another, a uh, couple, couple in-state kids that year, but he was one that I really liked. He was a nice kid. He, yeah, he's fun. He's, uh, one of my husband's very, really good friends. So, um, I remember he was on the team, but then team Indiana elite. Okay. I ran in little 50. Remember when, do you remember little 50 at IU? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Now, listeners might know what the little 500 is because that's like the huge yeah. cycling event. But th- for a little bit of time, IU had the little 50. Yeah, and so, yeah. yeah. And I was just I ran it with like a couple of girls that I ran high school cross country with. And there was one team that beat us. And you know what team that was, right? No idea. <laughs> I think it was I think it was some some it might have been the Indiana. League. Would they have been able to compete yeah. in the college yeah, one? We had um we had sort of some remote women at one time um, that I think only one lived with us. Um, the big perk of Team Indiana Elite is we had housing on campus, huge, which was a huge perk. It was what we, we kind of attracted people who you know were coming out of school who couldn't get contracts. To, they they could come move to Bloomington, have access to facilities, have coaching, have equipment. Um, we did some fundraising and stuff for for travel and and altitude camps and and whatnot. But the biggest perk was housing. Um, but as at that time, we just couldn't seem to attract a lot of women to come to the group. Um, 
And so we always had tons of men who wanted to come. And I remember we had one, one female living in with us at the time. Um, and, and I'm pretty sure we had three or four that lived in like Indy or relatively close. So, you know, we kept the, the team Indiana elite vibe, you know, with, mm. with Indiana people, but, um, I don't know if we, I can't remember a hundred percent if we ran that or not. I remember there was talk about it. Um, I remember that I, I think it was actually kind of organized through the running store, the local running store. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was in town and and they got sort of some of their people and some of our people together. For that's a team. probably what it was. I believe that's what it was, but that's it. not a hundred percent. I know we didn't run a, we didn't run a guy's team. Uh, or men's team that year, but uh, I do remember the talk of it and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, that's uh, I, I don't even know if they still have that. Event, I don't do they? think they do. Okay. And it, nobody could compete with the with your team, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, they were like, "What are we doing?" I just remember one of the girls was about to go run the Boston Marathon, and I was like, "You're running the Boston Marathon!" Like it was so prestigious and crazy to me that a college student would go run the Boston Marathon. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about working with uh, Total Sports. I know you were repped by them before you worked yeah. for them. So talk about your relationship with them. Yeah, it's been a long time now. Um, I signed with Total Sports when I came out of college. That was uh, 2006, I believe. Um, 2005, maybe 2006. Yeah, signed. Uh, Chris Lane was my agent, and um, you know he negotiated a contract for me to run for New Balance. Um, yeah, I had a good relationship with New Balance for, for, I think six years. And, um, you know, Chris got me into races. I went to Europe a little bit, uh, the first couple of years went to Europe and raced, um, really kind of started more focusing on the road, uh, sort of the last couple of years of my contract. And, you know, Chris was always somebody that, you know, was good, good. I, I think exactly what an agent, you know, is needed for, um, you know, springboard on on ideas of what i wanted to do for racing you know ways that i could make money in the sport and keep going you know i i i was on a very developmental deal i you know i wasn't making i wasn't getting rich off the contract so uh but i was very happy to have the support and 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 have a group of people to train with and yeah chris was uh yeah just just a really good sounding board i always got on really well with him um you know, uh, he, he knew the distance running world, knew where races were going to be, knew where things were being set up, knew what road races to go to, to, to optimize, trying to, you know, earn money and, and optimize my contract and things like that. So yeah, we just had good communication, good relationships. So, um, yeah, when he, uh, I had an injury, um, towards, towards the end of my career, pretty much what ended my career, I guess, uh, my own running was, uh, I had a, torn calf muscle. I was training for Chicago marathon mm. and, um, I, that was in the fall and I was going to be out all the way basically through the summer. Um, my contract was coming to an end and, um, yeah, Chris reached out and said, Hey, you know, what do you think about helping us out as we get ready for, um, for a summer of, you know, track racing in Europe. And I think at the time, uh, total sports was growing. It was a pretty new, uh, new agency. Um, you know, Chris had worked for another agency for a while and, and had split off and yeah, started total sports and it, it was growing and it was growing fast. And, uh, yeah, he just needed some more help. And basically my first initial role was to, uh, go to Europe and help support the the athletes that were going to Europe. And just previous summer to that, I was one of those athletes, you know, I'd gone over and, and raced and did a couple five K's and kind of stayed in Leuven and, and did some things in the, in the European circuit. Um, so I kind of knew it, knew what was going on. I had done it for a couple of years and, 
Um, I knew what could be better and, uh, you know, didn't, didn't mind giving my own advice or giving my, you know, advice on how we could make it better for the athletes and whatnot. And, um, yeah, did that throughout the summer. And then by the fall of that year, Chris was like, you know, I, I want you to come on full time and help out more and do domestic races and, and things like that. And then accompany the, the, the athletes to different events and, and whatnot. And so I kind of did that through the fall and, uh, by like probably the winter, he, he basically was like, what do you, what do you think about being an agent yourself? And, you know, uh, even taking this uh, a step further. And I was at that time I was all for it. So that's kind of how the relationship grew. And, and yeah, Chris, he, he's, he's been a, a big supporter and, and somebody I, I would say has helped me tremendously be in the position I am now. Um, and still, still obviously work for him. Our, our roles are uh, probably a little bit different than they were back then, but, uh, yeah, it, it's certainly, uh, certainly been a good relationship and I, I owe a lot to, to Chris. So total sports though, do they just focus on runners? The website has other sports yeah. too, right? Yeah, we do. We have other stuff. Yeah. So I only work within track and field, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and running road racing, obviously. Um, but there is a baseball side of the, the company. Um, that's probably maybe only four or five years old, but growing extremely fast as well. Um, I think there's three or four baseball agents now or two or three baseball agents now. And then Chris oversees that as well. And then we have uh, women's soccer as well, which I think is, I want to say maybe two years old. It, it's sort of still in the very, very developmental stages of, of getting going. But uh, I met the, the the head of women's soccer this year um, at our fall meeting. But again, I don't really have anything to do mm-hmm. with that. Um, the one, there is a sort of another area that we've, we've really started getting going now too. And that's coaches, uh, representing coaches. So NCAA coaches, professional coaches, um, and just negotiating their contracts as well. And, um, I have a little bit involvement in that, but not as, uh, not directly. So, um, obviously there, there's going to be coaches relationships and whatnot that I've established over the last couple of years working, you know, within track and field, but, yeah, it's it's not necessarily uh, my main focus either right now. I think it's so cool when an athlete who's who's like walked through the process of needing an agent and going through that becomes the agent. How important do you think these developmental programs and like um, what did you call your contract was more so like uh, pennies? I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it was. Uh, but like yeah, the, that support developmental contract. It was. It was. <laughs> Hey, this is going to provide you enough to to continue to you know develop in the sport and and see if um, see if you can make it and and honestly those you never know right you never know what contracts are going to you know small deals like that can can turn into you know uh, great contracts and and you know people can can really. Total sports is that was that was like almost like the foundation of total sports. You know, when he, when Chris split and and started total sports, like like some of those first contracts, like myself and the Jeffersons. I mean, even Nick Simmons, like Nick Simmons' first contract was was a developmental contract. Mm. You know, and uh, that's a success story right there. How you know it grew and grew and grew over over, over time. And um, yeah, it, you know, if you can put somebody in a good position or a good situation provide some financial resources, but then also provide support races, um, you know, uh, everything that kind of goes into developing an athlete, then they can see a lot of success. And is, as they get more resources because of that success, it just snowballs. So, um, yeah, that's sort of how total sports even just kind of started and got going is we took, 
we took athletes that other people didn't really want because they weren't big money contracts. And, and we developed those athletes and helped those athletes develop into, you know, uh, big contracts and, and, uh, you know, successful, successful athletes, you know, that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine it's like disheartening or like intimidating to come out of school, know that you have this gift and this talent, but you're not getting the offers right off the table of these big contracts that you know you can live off of. And to yeah. have a group that comes beside you and says, hold on, let's like, let's do this one step at a time. That's yeah. so important. Yeah, for sure. And, and we still try to do that. I mean, um, obviously now we're probably one of the bigger agencies in the U.S. and we have a lot of big contracts. And uh, but we still try to have those developmental contracts. We still try to get people, you know, out of college that, you know, uh, we we can look at me or Chris can look at and or Natalia can look at it and say, we think that person has a has has potential in the sport, you know, and, and can do some big things and can make teams and, and do you know, be successful in the sport. So, um, yeah, I, I think all of those things are, are important. It's important to have the, the big contracts and keep the business floating and, and yeah, keep the bills paid, but also it's, it's important to take on athletes that, you know, you might not make money off of right away. And, you know, but if you can, again, help them and, and put them in a position. And if you, if you buy into that athlete and think that athlete can be successful, um, then, yeah, it, it ultimately pays out. And I think we've done it. That's it. That's one thing that I think I learned really well from Chris. Like he had a good eye to pick those athletes, mm -hmm. right? He, mm -hmm. he signed Nick Simmons when, you know, not a whole lot of people were signing and, and he signed Sean and John and me and, and some other people that, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, he took chances on, uh, on people. And so, yeah, for me to kind of learn a little bit from him in the first couple of years. And I, I think I've done a really good job with it as well. You know, pick people that, Again, not necessarily a lot of agents recruited or, or try to sign and, you know, uh, got people on $20,000, $20, contracts, $30,000 contracts and, and, you know, we're able to work our way up to, you know, much more successful and bigger, bigger deals. Yeah. What do you look for in someone who might not have like NCAA wins or, you know, some big, big accomplishments like that, but you, you just see like there's something there that they're going to do something really good? Yeah, I think everybody can sort of like see what talent looks like or see what potential looks like from, you know, there, there's a lot of little things out there that, you know, uh, I think if you watch athletes can and you can tell hey, this person might be successful. But I think one of the biggest things is uh, getting to know the athlete too, knowing if they're driven, knowing, that, you know, uh, how, how mature they are for, you know, where they are in the sport, right? And how much they know about the sport. And um, I think one of the, the – that's a – that's something that I think we've done a really good job in is getting to know some of these young athletes that again, might not necessarily have like the big accolades or, or um, not all the agents are going after in, in the recruiting or all the shoe companies are offering deals for right away. But um, yeah, getting to know them, knowing if they have, you know, that, that drive, that passion, love for the sport are willing to put in the hard work, you know, things like that, like um, that mixed with, Hey, I can tell this person is, is, He's got some talent. I know the program. I know they're not overtrained. You know, all these little things. It, it's all uh, it's all pieces of the puzzle, right? And uh, yeah, I think it's it's much more complicated than what a lot of people think. You know, and a lot of people think it's just, hey, you know, Cole Harker, that kid's pretty good. You know, you should recruit him. Well, yeah, that's one way to do it. Yeah. You know, but you're not going to sign every. You know, you're not going to get the Cole Harker every single year. You know, so you got to find the the guys that, that still have potential to make teams and, and do really well. And, um, 
yeah, it's, it's something that, yeah, I think I learned really well from Chris and, and can, me and him continue to have conversations about people all the time. Um, but yeah, I think I've got a pretty good eye for it now. What's Chris's backstory? Like what was he doing before he was your agent? Uh, yeah. So he worked for another agency. Okay. Um, so he was a, he was a college athlete as well. He was a sprinter. He was a hurdler. Um, and then, yeah, he, he went right into, to working for another agency and worked there for, I, I don't, I can't even tell you how long before, you know, he, he split off and, and started total sports. So he's been in, he's been in this, in this game for a long time. Um, and yeah, he, he coaches as well. Uh, so me and him have very similar stories in the sense that he's very passionate about coaching, um, loves it, you know, has, has a very small uh, NAI school that he coaches um, out of Tennessee. And then he also coaches some pros as well. Oh. So, um, yeah, he coaches uh, Abby Diagostino, um, uh, well, uh, Cooper, sorry, Abby yeah, Cooper yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got a small group of, of pros there that train with him out of um, – uh, Johnson city as well. So yeah, he, he loves the coaching side of things too. I don't think, uh, I don't think he would ever, uh, want to give that, that side of things up as well. I think he likes, uh, we're sort of different in the sense that like he, he's very passionate about taking somebody who's like a, a 18 minute 5k, you know, to, to a 17 minute 5k where, um, I think my passions more lie in the, you know, taking somebody who's like a 1535 K and getting her to a 1435 K, you know, something <laughs> like that. But, uh, at the same time, I, I, I massive respect for, you know, somebody who gets so passionate about, you know, all levels of the sport. Hey everybody, a quick break to thank ZocDoc for supporting this episode of the podcast. No one knows what you're looking for in a doctor better than you, and no one's better at giving you the tools to find the perfect doctor than ZocDoc. The people who created ZocDoc found the major pain points in healthcare, all the things that weren't working, and said enough. Then they made booking a great doctor surprisingly pain-free. With ZocDoc, you can find doctors that are in your insurance network, putting you on the path to see the doctors who are right for you and not wasting any time figuring out who's in network and who's not. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Go to ZocDoc.com another and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash another, ZocDoc.com slash another. All right, friends, back to my conversation. Yeah, do you feel like you kind of just have freedom to create whatever you want to do as far as what you do with your team and how you recruit people? I mean, it seems like a very entrepreneurial type of work. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I have, so there's sort of, I guess, two, two parts of that. Um, uh, you know, with total sports, I have, I have freedom to recruit athletes that I want to add to, to, you know, our, our roster of athletes. Um, you know, I've certainly learned over, uh, you know, over the last, uh, how many years I've worked for total now, I, I can't even remember like 10 years now, but, how, how long I've been with total, I've sort of learned there's areas that you can have 
more athletes and areas you need to have less athletes and balancing a roster is, is very important. So, you know, again, I'm not out recruiting every single athlete, um, you know, that, that I think is going to make money, right? Like I'm recruiting specific areas within, uh, within our team of athletes right now that I feel like can be, you know, beneficial and, and we can support those athletes very well, but we also don't take away from the athletes that we have right now, if that makes sense. Um, and then within within Dark Sky and, and the coaching and having the group here, um, yeah, very entrepreneurial. Um, you know, I uh, I kind of got this off the ground, and um, it, it's been a it's been a passion project of mine, I guess you could say. Uh, as I I want to see it be very successful, and yeah, I again, it's a, it's another way to provide more opportunities for people coming out of out of school and and more opportunities for people to, to be successful and, and using altitude. And, um, I think we've built a foundation to be, to, to have a really good team here. And I think we have all the resources and everything we need. And it, it didn't come like that. It wasn't just like, Hey, Under Armour write this check and, and we build this team. It, it there was a lot of, a, a lot of years of this thing getting going. And, uh, uh, I, a lot of people don't know a lot of my own money went into it to, to kind of get it going as well. And, um, now I feel like we're in a really good place to, to bring in really good athletes and, and have those athletes be, be very successful here. That's awesome. Yeah. I wanted to talk about dark sky a little bit. Um, I don't know if you know this, I had Shayla on the podcast, uh, right when you guys started and I know she's now back to coaching again in, in California. Um, but just tell us, give us a little update, you know, people, you know, and I, I interviewed Emily Durgin before when she was on the team and, and, and I've interviewed her after since she was, she's been killing her half marathon. So let's get an update from you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the, speaking of Emily, obviously a weird situation last year with our, with our footwear issue. And, and we had to, um, you know, that put me in a very, uh, very awkward situation. I think the one thing I, I can say and be very confident about was the athletes were always my like first mm-hmm. and foremost, uh, concern. Right. And so athletes like Rachel and Emily and Taryn, if, if I could come up with more opportunity for them to go elsewhere that, you know, again, they didn't have to worry about the shoes at the time. Um, if they could get better deals, if they, if they could make their situation better for them individually, um, that was, that was my main, main focus. And, and Under Armour was very understanding of that as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that was, a that was a t- hard time, um, for us as a group in the sense of like, we had worked really hard to, you know, develop athletes like Emily and, and athletes like Taryn to, to get them to the position they were in. I mean, before, you know, I'm not saying anything negative towards, towards those athletes, but like, they didn't really have other options at the time. You know, sure. Emily was with New Balance Boston and she didn't have a contract. So bringing her here and, and getting a contract for her and, and obviously trying to help her develop Taryn, it's sort of the same situation, um, you know, and, and that's sort of really why I was passionate about starting the group was to have, I knew athletes like that could be successful if they had um, more resources and if they had the ability to to grow as athletes and, and you know, that, that takes time and it takes effort and it takes, you know, again, resources, it takes money, you know, um, making sure that these athletes are, are in a good position to train, making sure they have what they need, massage, physio, you know, things like that, that, that are really going to help elevate an athlete. So yeah, it was hard for me to see athletes that we had invested in, you know, leave to go to, you know, other opportunities, but at the same time, 
that was what's best for them. It was best for Emily to take, you know, to, to get another contract and, and have shoes right away, continue to race on the road. Um, and, and Taryn as well, we had a lot of issues with footwear with her and some injuries and, and having some play to choose was, was important for her right away. And so, yeah, that, it was a tough time and it was a tough year, but, um, I did stay confident in, in Under Armour as a brand to, um, also, get where we needed to go. And, and right now we're in a good position. We have spikes, we have flats, we have racing shoes that are very competitive. And um, it took a much larger investment from, from Under Armour as a, as a company to, uh, to catch up, you know, and um, all my interactions with them throughout the whole process and, and their sports marketing team, their footwear team, um, they just said, Hey, we're, we're invested. We want to make it happen. We understand that, you know, we might lose some people right now and, that's okay. If you stick with us and, and you, you know, continue to, to have this group, we will invest in the areas we need to invest on so we can continue to, to do what the vision of the group was. And that is to, again, just make athletes better and, and put athletes in a good spot. I mean, it's, it's, that's really cool. And I, I think Emily would say the same thing, right? Like she would say, yeah. like, I'm so grateful for that opportunity I had to develop with them. Um, yeah. But it's like, yeah, like those things needed fixed. So you got to let those people go, which I'm sure felt sort of heartbreaking. Like, oh, man. That was hard, yeah. Yeah. That like, was hard. I'm, I yeah. see what's happening here with this athlete and like how much development has already happened. And you want to yeah, be a part of that. You, time, go yeah, ahead. At the same time, I was very happy for them yeah. too because yeah. you know, it's, it's sort of like a lot of people were like, oh, does that upset you? And I'm like, honestly, it really doesn't. It makes me feel good that we were able to take somebody like that and, and, and help them uh, become an athlete that other brands really wanted and were willing to pay more and more and, and, and invest into more. And, and so for me, it was never, it, it never really came off as like a negative, you know, like it never, um, it, yeah, I was, I felt good that, you know, uh, those athletes could come here, could be successful and, then we could, then I could help them go get another situation that was even better, Yeah, you know? Um, so, um, but it also makes me really, you know, look at everything and say, okay, you know, what can we do better? You know, what can we do better to, uh, if we're going to stick with this situation, we're going to continue with the group, we're going to continue with the relationship with Under Armour. What can we do better to, to, again, make this situation really good for athletes that are here? That's cool. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, it's like you're always a part of that story, you know, like that will always be such a big piece of Emily's story or Taryn's story. Yeah. Even if it was a short period of time. So like what does need to happen? Because like the shoes, like clearly they're good on the track. Is it it's the problem when the women are doing like the longer marathon distance well, type stuff? Last year. Yeah. Again, last year at the time we were, we were in a much different situation. We didn't have a track spike. We didn't have a plated track spike. We didn't have a plated road shoe. Um, so yeah, we were just behind in, in sort of everything. Um, uh, so yeah, it, it, it needed, we really needed the investment from, from Under Armour as a brand to develop that product. And, um, yeah, that, that, that takes a lot of money. Right. So, um, you know, uh, I, I don't even know how much, you know, other brands had invested previous years that now we got to catch up, Yeah. you know, so it probably took way more, um, you know, financial investment and, you know, I've heard numbers and whatnot, but yeah, we, we, we had to have that commitment from the brand and, and they've really, really stepped up. And, you know, I, I think our road shoe is, is just as competitive with obviously B has been wearing it, you know, JT has been wearing it. We have guys that are, are running successfully in it. Um, 
and yeah, I obviously Wayne wore it all mm-hmm. fall and, and ran really, really well on her in the road stuff that she did. So um, yeah, it gives me a lot of confidence that we're going in the right direction. And then now we have these spikes that have, yeah, I think, uh, you know, are competitive with, uh, with what else is out there right now. Now we do, we're still playing catch up. We need more. We don't have all the sizes yet. You know, we had athletes at us indoor this, this weekend that didn't have them. They're wearing, they're wearing old spikes. They're not in the super shoes yet. And, um, it's coming, but, uh, it, it's taken, it's taken longer than, than what any of us really wanted. But, um, again, I'm confident that we're going to get there and I'm hoping at, at some point, um, you know, we don't just, Hey, we needed to catch up and now we just rest on our laurels. Like, I feel like from a, from a footwear standpoint, like, okay, we've called up, but we, now we have to stay relevant. We have to keep, you know, innovating and we have to keep looking at, at what's next. And that's where I feel like we have put in place the people that are, are going to be important to do that, you know, and, and we have footwear team, we have innovation team, we have, uh, the resources in place that, 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 we're going to stay relevant, you know? Okay. Speaking of staying relevant, um, not, not a part of footwear though. I'm super curious your take on like social media and things like that. Just as far as like here, an athlete performs really well. They, they, uh, place high at a marathon major or, or whatever. They, they make the world's team like Josette just did, for example. Um, how much of that compared to how much of like a Steph Bruce who is successful in her running career but also really really into like sharing her story on social media like that's got to be really important to brands too yeah no for sure and i think you'll you'll see a you'll see a mix right like um there's probably some of our highest paid athletes in the sport have no social media <laughs> i know? know it's and crazy their performances you know galen rupp right does he does galen rupp even have instagram probably not but also at the same time he's very relevant in the sense of his performance speaks for himself right totally. and he, going to have massive following and, and people are going to be invested in his story. And, um, you know, I think uh, in terms of, you know, uh, high school athletes or, you know, people that, uh, again, are, are, are buying product or looking to him as somebody who, you know, yeah, you're, you're going to look at him and going to look at his performance. Right. So I, I, but I think there's also brands that, that really, really value that, you know, that interaction and, and, um, the social media component of, uh, of being, um, what's the right word, uh, vulnerable or, or yeah. being able to share your story ups and downs and everything. And if you're successful, then great. And if, if, if things don't work out, but you've again, been very transparent to, to the process, I think there's value in that too. Um, I am sensitive to the fact that I never want performance to sort of not be valued. Like I, yeah. I you know what I mean? Like I, I think, in, and there's probably brands out there that, maybe wouldn't even be that interested in like a Galen Rupp because there's no social media component or there's no, um, interaction beyond just what the performance is. But, um, I, I still think that performance is very important and, and, and should be valued very highly. You know, um, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with an athlete who just puts his head down, focuses completely on, on their own selfish endeavors to compete and perform really well you know, and doesn't necessarily share the story. But I also in the same breath, I think it is important that some athletes do that, mm, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, it's, I know I didn't give a, a very clear answer there, but, um, I, I think that 
performance is also it should always be uh, you know uh, something that holds value to to brands like um and i think it always will because again the person on the top is who people are going to look at right and so but if that person also has other components then that's that's a that's a great situation right like that person can really really uh monetize their career and 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 reach a lot of different um sponsors and a lot of different um just avenues to 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 make money and 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 be successful in the sport. Yeah, I mean, I think that when the athletes engage with the audience, with the fans that are following, it makes them feel a little more relatable. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to walk up to you and say hello to you because I feel like I've gotten to know you a little bit on your social media. Um Yeah. Yeah, I imagine that's just gotten kind of weird and different, especially people that are like Mm, like phasing out like kind of getting closer to retirement that like social media came a little bit later and it's like ah do I have to get in that game now like can we just like do can we just run yeah 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 we certainly have a lot of athletes that you know are are, I think caught in between both worlds right like how much do I invest into into putting everything on social media, how much do I invest into, um, you know, making sure that I'm doing all these sponsorship posts and things like that versus how much do I focus on training and, and, and investing into my own running so that if I'm successful there, that, you know, all these little deals that I have that just, I have to, you know, do all this work for, if I could just put that, that more of that focus into mm-hmm. running, then it elevates me and it probably, ends up paying out better than doing all this little stuff. Does that, does that make sense? Um, yeah. That's a conversation I've had with so many of our athletes. You know, I think a lot of people see on social media, well, this athlete promotes this, mm-hmm. this company or this brand or whatever, you know, like I should do that. Well, should you do that? Like, is it, you know, a $3,000 deal, a $5,000 deal? Is it worth your time to do that versus, you know, if, if you just stay focused on what you're doing and you're successful, you can earn more just off based off performing better. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, yeah, it's, that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, as you're talking about it, the other thing I was thinking is just like, also the, like the constant having your phone or like your social media on you, it's like the constant internet in your face. If you are super active, it can be really exhausting because yeah. you're getting feedback from humans that don't really know you at all. And is that yeah. draining you? Is that draining you from like energy that you could put towards like more positive things in your life? That's what I think would be hard if you were really that serious and that dedicated. And this was like your livelihood because man, yeah. people are going to tell you their opinion. Yeah, for sure. No yeah. matter what. Definitely. Definitely. When I was coaching Ed, I you couldn't, you wouldn't believe how many people would comment on my or DM me on Instagram or, or, uh, comment on some of my pictures and stuff. When I post of him doing a workout of their like opinion of what he should be doing or what his <laughs> training should be or what his race schedule should be. I mean, he, I, I think mainly because a couple of years ago, he, obviously he was a very, uh, prominent athlete. So, um, and, and had a lot of people had seen kind of gro- growing up through his, you know, high school in the U S and college at Oregon and everything and always sort of been in the spotlight. So, you know, he, he was one of the first bigger athletes that I coached and you wouldn't believe how many people would just even DM me their, their advice and their, uh, he should be doing this or he should be doing that. And like, I couldn't imagine being a prominent athlete right. and getting 
you know, getting like I, I, Molly Seidel, I, her Instagram DMs are, I mean, I can't imagine thousands, thousands you know, like if, it, you know, I think she does a good job of like, you know, pushing that stuff aside mm-hmm. and, and, you know, but uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine being, you know, engaged to all of that, right. you know, that, that it would be. I, I've run into people, people have come up to me, oh, I sent you a message on Instagram or I, you know, I tried to reach out to you and I'm like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I, you know, like, yeah, it, it's, it's tough to sort of interact with all that and, and, and keep up with everything else that you have to do in, in, in your world, you know? Hey friends, this episode of the podcast is supported by Gooder. If you are looking for an awesome pair of sunglasses that don't slip around when you're on the go, Look no further than Gooder. They have really classic styles as well as really fun and loud styles. My go-to pair are the Aviators. I love just the standard black Aviator shades. I also love the Breakfast Run to Tiffany's. And in races, I like to wear the fun colors. I think it's super fun and brings a little bit of attitude and sass to a race. So go to gooder.com slash another Use the code another one five. That's another fifteen to save fifteen percent off your order. All right, back to the show. Well, what are your like big hopes and dreams with Dark Sky? Big hopes and dreams. Yeah, I just uh, I want to continue to make this a great situation. I want to make it uh, a situation where the the top athletes from around the world desire to to train here in Flagstaff and be part of part of the team that that we're we're creating. So that's, that's my goal. I want people to, I want athletes to be able to come here and be successful. Um, I, I want to keep it a, a place that, um, is, is good vibes. People enjoy being here, you know, people enjoy being around each other. Um, yeah, I want to make it a, a great training environment, you know, and, and I think we're well on our way there. Um, and yeah, I want to continue to, to put people on teams and, and, help athletes reach their goals, you know, and, and every athlete that comes in here has a different goal. So for me to say, you know, our goal is to put people on track teams or world championship teams. That's not, that's to some of the athletes that come here, that's going to be their goals. To some of the athletes that come here, maybe it's, uh, you know, running, uh, national record in a marathon or, you know, running, uh, world marathon majors or, you know, uh, making, uh, national records for different countries. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what the, what everybody's individual goals are, but I want to continue to focus on athletes, individual goals within the team setting, if that makes sense. How do you like create an environment that is good times? Yeah. Uh, I think it's important to, to sort of read those athletes when you recruit them here, you know, and, and we, we've been fortunate that a lot of athletes uh, have contacted us in, in the last year, once we kind of got the group established again and, and people mm-hmm. knew that we were going to, that we were continuing with the group after this summer. Um, and we've had a lot of athletes reach out and, and, and uh, I enjoy getting to know, you know, athletes and recruiting athletes and, and finding out if I feel like they would be, you know, a good fit for the group. And, um, you know, I, I think we operate a little different than some of the other groups. Like uh, I think we have a lot more, uh, I don't know what's the right word, uh, a lot more like individuality within the, within the group too. We only meet three days a week. Um, and and we try to match, uh, try to match up for, for workouts and long runs and and things like that. But we're not, we're not meeting every single day. You know, um, I want athletes to enjoy their life outside of, uh, of the team as well, you know, and five, such a great place to live. And, um, 
yeah, I want them to be happy and, and, you know, I don't want everybody to be on top of each other all the time. I feel like that's almost a little bit suffocating. And, and, you know, if there is somebody on the team that maybe you're just personalities don't get along that well, you know, um, if, if we're only meeting three times a week, it's never, nobody's bumping heads or, or, you know, everybody comes to practice with the intent of being a better runner that day, you know? And, um, yeah, I think it's just, uh, we, we've been fortunate to have good people and, um, yeah, I think recruiting athletes and getting to know them is, is just an important part of that. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, so far so good. Yeah. How much do you run these days? Um, well, sometimes a lot, sometimes a little, it really <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's up and down. I, I probably, the week before last, I was, I probably ran 60 miles that week, but then last week, uh, well, I lost my bag in Spokane. My bag never came oh. back from London. So, um, yeah, I, I was over in Birmingham for, um, the Birmingham world indoor tour meet. And we had two of our athletes run there and I came back, my bag never made it. And so I was in Spokane without a bag the whole, the whole time. So I didn't <laughs> run a step for last week. Um, you didn't just go buy a pair of shoes. You were just like, yeah, no, I'm done. No. And it was a busy, yeah. all are always busy and there's always so much going on that I di- honestly just didn't have time anyways. Like uh-huh. the team was there. I could have grabbed somebody's shoes and gone for a run, sure. but it just, yeah, uh, I didn't, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes a lot, sometimes a little, but I, I, if I'm in flag, I run every day. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, it's sort of, for me, it's good to get out of the house, even if it's just 30 minutes and I can just turn my phone off and, uh, get outside for a little bit. I, I enjoy it. And, um, I go all the team practices. I'll do warm ups and cool downs with the team. I always enjoy just spending a little bit more time talking and, and you know getting feedback on the workout or how it went or you know even today I did the warm up with Bia and JT um, and the cool down with them as well. Uh, again, just talking Gate River this weekend, mm-hmm. talking you know just getting more more feedback from them. I think it helps me uh, as a coach just know what what the athletes are thinking, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I run again, if I'm in town, I run every single day, but, um, yeah, sometimes when you're on the road and yeah, traveling around a lot, yeah, it could be, it could be some pretty, pretty small weeks there too. Do you ever throw down? Like, do you ever throw a workout in? <laughs> I haven't worked out in a long time. Um, <laughs> Last year during COVID, was that last year? I guess last year, I I, I decided I was going to try to break five minutes in the mile. Okay. Uh, going out on Lake Mary. Unfortunately, this was video too. You can probably find some footage of this, but I uh, <laughs> oh I tore an string within like 400 meters. Oh, so no. um, that's probably the last hard hard. No, I did do some hills. I did um, one of one of my uh, women on the team was doing a hill workout. I jumped in some hills. That was in the fall, but yeah, not not no throwing down anymore. My uh, when Rachel Snyder first moved to flag, I did almost every single workout with her. Like I was like her workout partner. Uh-huh. Uh, I was doing like so much with her, but, uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've been doing any sessions, <laughs> man, Rachel Snyder. She's just killing it. Yeah. She's doing great. Yeah. She, she's doing awesome. Um, yeah, R- Rachel, again, one of those success stories is like somebody came to flag on a small deal and has done, yeah. uh, you know, done amazing. And, and, you know, she was part of our group, but she's all, she's always been coached by Mike. Her and Mike have obviously have a great relationship and, um, Mike has done, uh, has done awesome with her. Um, you know, again, somebody I was sad to see, uh, not part of the group, but also super happy that she is now in a situation that is, is very good for her and, and, 
yeah, is being rewarded for all of her hard work. Yeah. How do you balance that with like who you're an agent to and who you coach? And like, do you ever coach someone that you're also the agent to? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody that I coach except Bia, I represent. Okay. Um, and I'm totally open to, to coaching people that I don't represent. Um, I think other agents probably have more of an issue with it than, than obviously than I do. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the dark sky group does not have to be, you know, people that only are represented by me. I'm completely open and I have a a good, uh, B is represented by Howie and I have a good relationship with him and, um, you know, have, yeah, it's, it's worked out really well. And I think it can work out with other athletes too. It's just, um, yeah, I think, you know, agents have to understand that, you know, uh, I can separate coaching an athlete and representing an athlete and, yeah, I understand that a lot of people think there's conflict of interest there, but there's only conflict of interest if you are a negative conflict of interest if you act on it. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't act on it in a negative way, then yeah, there's no issues. Um, all right. Well, let's wrap up here with the end of the podcast questions. All right. Uh, what is something you've accomplished a lot professionally and personally, but what is, and you just bought a house. What is something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, probably from a, from a coaching and from a agent standpoint, like I, I would like to, you know, represent a, a Olympic gold medalist. That's always been, or coach a gold medalist. That's always been something that, um, you know, on the circuit, you know, following around athletes and, and just seeing, uh, you know, the energy and, and the excitement to have an athlete like that at meets and be able to negotiate for that athlete. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's awesome. You know, Molly obviously w- has been super successful this year and it's been awesome to, to see the energy that comes with that, you know, the, the excitement, the buzz, the sponsorship opportunities that have arised from that, you know, uh, a lot more work is, it goes into it, but at the same time, I think it's super cool. And, um, yeah, I would like to, you know, shoot for the highest level and, and try to have somebody who, who wins an Olympic gold. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Oh, I, I, I don't read that much. I gotta be honest. Love it. Um, podcast I, I listen to some podcast or uh I, I do listen to some books on tape um I did just listen to uh Roy Williams book uh Carolina basketball book on tape so oh. I'm from Indiana diehard Indiana basketball you know I know Indiana is a diehard basketball uh state but I am from North Carolina uh, and I grew up a massive Tar Heels fan okay and okay I still support North Carolina very very much so um I don't miss a game. I watch every, you know, pretty much every game. Okay. I follow every game. Um, so yeah, I, I did listen to Roy Williams' uh, book on 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 the on my phone. Yeah. Okay. Was it good? Yeah, very good. Yeah, very good. I like Roy Williams. I I, I like uh, I like Hubert Davis. Um, again, I I support the whole North Carolina basketball family. <laughs> well, you know, we live in Raleigh now, and so it's yeah. like. People on, in our neighborhood are either NC State fans or UNC fans, and everybody's all in. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of nice though, because like being from a basketball town. Yeah, sitting on my desk actually right here is uh, a replica of the uh, Dean Smith. Oh, basketball. he's all in, you guys. Yeah. So I'm. Uh, this is the Dean Smith Center in Chapel Hill, but yeah, I got posters on the wall. I, yeah, I'm. I'm a big North Carolina basketball fan. So that's so good. Um, yeah, it's fun to move from a basketball town and live in a basket, you know, like, yeah, yeah. It, it just feels like 
it's how you grew up, you know, and Indiana very much so, but also it's very important here too. So I like that. It's cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what podcast do you listen to? Um, uh, random ones that our athletes are on. Um, the one I listened to yesterday on the way back from Spokane, I listened to the beer mile podcast. Okay. Actually the first time I listened to that, um, I'll be honest, but, uh, who was on it? Casey Kevelbar. He's one of our newer guys on the team. Okay. Um, he, he was on there. He, yeah. Joined us in the fall this year. Um, he had a, uh, he had a bad U S championships this past weekend, but I think he's making good strides. Um, he's somebody that I'm excited about as an athlete. He, he uh, first raced with us. He had about a 10 second PB in the 5K at BU. We're in 1324 indoor 3K PB 748 this year, uh, and then also indoor 15 PB. We're in 339 as well. So he's having a good year. Um, uh, it's it's a transition to to have athletes move out to Flagstaff and train full time at altitude and. He's a guy that uh, I see a lot of potential in, and yeah, he did. Uh, he did the Beer Mile podcast, and I uh, I saw it on his Instagram story, so I I listened to that on the on the flight back from Spokane yesterday. I have two last questions for you. Uh, who's someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you would like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? I could just throw it to to Roy Williams because again, <laughs> I just finished his book, and I, I think it'd be awesome to. Was the name of his books hard work you know like uh i feel like that's my life it's it's, it's always hard work i kind of want to read that now yeah um probably somebody within the sport that i would uh you know like to have a conversation with is uh is probably seb co um you know I, I i think he obviously he's running the sport right now i'd like to see you know um how he envisions making the sport better and and get i always um it's, it's something that i always think about like uh, you know I, I feel like i'm sort of at a at a lower level of like trying to help make this sport better right and and trying to help athletes get better and um you know how does somebody think or you know what are somebody's goals at like sort of the top of uh, the top level there right like he his his goal is to make our sport better right so like trying to get like how does how does he think about our sport how does he think things could get better like i would love to have a conversation with him and hear hear about that you know and not necessarily just his ideas but like how do you even go about thinking about that right and and so yeah within the sport maybe him i yeah okay but sorry we're wrapping up but now i'm super curious what do you think needs to happen to make the sport better sorry that's a big question It's a big question, like, and and it's it's almost hard. It's a hard question to even like think about because there's so many little things that you you know, like I, I have ideas that like you know we need to, even being in Spokane over the weekend. You know how many of our good athletes just aren't even there. Yeah. You know, like how how you know how can we incentivize athletes to run these these championships or like how how can we you know make these important and and just over the last couple of days too, just having conversations with, uh, with, with some athletes who are trying to choose if they're going to run world indoor championships or, or whatnot. I'm like, it's a, it's a world championships. It should be important. And, and some people are just like, ah, it's, you know, outdoors more important. And, mm-hmm. and uh, believe me, I understand, you know, I, I know that there's incentives, you know, from shoe companies and incentives with contracts that make outdoor more important than, than indoor. But like, why are we at that? Why, why are we in that position? You know? Um, and yeah, just trying to, I, again, talk to somebody that that's their job, you know, how do you, how do you even begin to start thinking about how we can break this down into 
manageable things to make the sport better, you know? Um, because yeah, I feel like right now, like, yeah, I could have ideas, but, um, you know, my, my focus and my energy has to be on, mm-hmm. you know, the things that I can do for my athletes from a coaching standpoint and my athletes from a representation standpoint. And believe me, that takes all of my energy and more. Um, so, um, yeah, from a, from a broad governing body, broad, you know, uh, state of the sport, like how, how, yeah. How do you go about doing that? And yeah, I don't know. I'm not, trust me. I don't know. I would love to talk to somebody who, who is in a position to do those things to figure out how you start even thinking about it. Gosh, it's kind of overwhelming, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like a bunch of, a bunch of people like you got to talk to guys like that. And yeah, yeah, it's like, there's so many pieces. Um, well, the last question we ask everybody is what's your last message to leave with our audience today? Yeah. I, I mean, sort of maybe on the same topic is we have a great sport. We have a great, um, this is very, very important to a lot of people. And, um, I just think that we, everybody needs to, um, yeah, appreciate it and love the sport and continue to, uh, invest their time, energy and efforts into, uh, into making the sport good because if people, uh, if people give up on it and, 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 you know, aren't, aren't fans of the sport, then we can't, we no no matter who's in charge and who's coming up with these great ideas, we can't grow, you know? So, um, I appreciate people like you take the time to do these podcasts and, and get more, more people invested into the sport and more people invested into, um, teams and, and, and athletes. And yeah, I think that helps, helps grow the sport. Do you think that it's getting bigger, like the fans, as far as like how many people are invested outside of the pros? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I would like to think so. I think, uh, yeah, in my world, it's, it's, it's a very, you know, it's a very big and it's a very, you know, important thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I get to go to meetings all over the world and, and see packed stadiums like Zurich and, and Brussels and, and, you know, 70 to 90,000 people cheering on, you know, uh, a track and field meet, you know, and, and so I'm, I'm fortunate that I get to see that, uh, again, I know there's a lot of people who, who say the sport was here 10 years ago and now it's here and, and whatever. And, um, I, I choose myself not to focus on that. I choose to, to sort of focus on, you know, there is still a lot of good going on within the sport. I see the sport growing, you know, I see, um, I see, I'm at these meets, I see fans invested. I see athletes coming up to, you know, some of our athletes wanting to take pictures and, and get autographs and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I, I went to the, the Mesa half marathon in, in Phoenix with Molly, what, two weeks ago and the amount of attention and the amount of support people with signs that did not know Molly, you know, that just watch on social media and listen to podcasts that she's on and, you know, things like that, that are fans of her. And, and to me, that's, that's super exciting. And yeah, uh, my message is to, to continue to support the sport. And, and um, yeah, I think, uh, I think this is, uh, this is certainly one way to do it. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. All right, friends, to learn more about Steven, thank you, Steven, for coming on the show. Go to H-A-A-S Runs. That's Hass Runs on Instagram. You can find me personally. I'd love to connect with you. Lindsay Hines 626 over there and a Sandy Boy Productions 
is our network on Instagram as well as sandyboyproductions.com is our brand new website. I guess it's a few months old now. We have some exciting news coming to Sandy Boy next week. So make sure you stay tuned and you're subscribed to this show because we are going to be dropping that news on Monday. Very excited about that. Um, Adding maybe a new show to the network. I don't know. You'll see. Uh, To sign up for our newsletter and get these show notes delivered to your inbox every week, you can just go to sandyboyproductions.com. Friends, I will be in Madison, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I've been told I say that wrong. Uh, The weekend of June 10th, June 11th. That's next weekend for the Made to Move race. I'm doing the 5K. They have a 10K and a half marathon as well. And we have an event called Made to Inspire where I will be speaking with the founder of Fellow Flowers, Mel Charbonneau, and the founder of Black Girls Run, Tony Carey. Going to be a great conversation. We'd love to have you join us. Info to get registered for that event. And the race will be at sandyboyproductions.com in the show notes of this episode. You can register for that race using the code Lindsay10 for 10% off your registration. All right, friends. We are so happy to have you here, and we will see you next week. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.